Hi, I'm Lori Coates. I am a behavior analyst and school psychologist and bait team coordinator for Davis School District. And I'm Jocelyn Ruiz. I'm also a behavior analyst and co-coordinator of the bait team. That is the behavior assessment, intervention, and training team. And this is our first episode of Bait Debate Topics We're Tackling. The Bait Debate will address simple research-based behavioral practices that will work with individual students or groups of students in school settings. The situations and questions will be adapted from what we are seeing and hearing in schools. These are common struggles with students of all abilities. Although they are simple strategies, they will be effective at decreasing challenging behavior and making your day just a little easier. We're excited to share these strategies to make them available to SPED teachers, gen ed teachers, and other staff working in schools. For this first episode, we wanted to share a little about the BAIT team. The team consists of two behavior analysts or board certified behavior analysts, two university students for behavior analysis, and 20 RBTs. A BCBA or board certified behavior analyst is a person with a certification in applied behavior analysis. BCBAs use behavioral science to influence an individual's behavior. Behavior analysts can work in many settings, such as schools, clinics, people's homes. Behavior analysts work with students from a variety of disabilities and or mental health backgrounds. RBTs or registered behavior technicians are nationally certified individuals who support behavior analysts in implementing appropriate interventions designed for individuals. RBTs must pass a 40-hour specified course complete an in-person competency assessment, and pass a national exam to be certified. All right. Our first topic is deadly directions. One of the most common referrals we see in schools is noncompliance. Having compliance from students is a critical thing to have in the classroom due to safety, maintaining routines and order, and keeping learning going. Although these are important points, when we observe the student and interview staff, Compliance has become more of a power struggle than necessary, and staff often put themselves at risk physically in an effort to ensure that the student does what he is told. So, Lori, what do you see as the demise of direction staff give to students? Mostly, it's stop versus start requests, don't versus do. Too many words repeated too quickly, which is really just nagging, and quite often phrased as a question. So we may say something like, Jocelyn, go ahead and get out your book. Okay. Which gives that gives you an opportunity to negotiate or to not comply. Mm-hmm. And then I ask it too quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by start versus stop request or do versus don't? That's a very good question. That's about the we want to tell the student what to do, not to what not to do. That was a really mm-hmm. odd way of putting that, but... Instead of saying, stop climbing on the table, we would say, have your feet on the floor. Okay. Yeah. So we want to make sure the student is listening to the positive behavior. Exactly. Okay. As soon as you tell somebody to not touch a hot stove, that's the first thing they'll do, is touch the hot stove. That's what I would do if somebody told me that. Exactly. How can staff change, though, Jocelyn, from a deadly to a dynamic direction? Well, there's a couple different things we could do. The first thing is being intentional about the language that we're using. So like you said, giving start versus stop request, that's one way to be intentional with how we're presenting those directions. Also using fewer words, giving the student enough time to process the request, 
So some students may have more delayed processing speeds and all of these things can should be taken into consideration for those things. For example, we had a teacher who found out that she had a student that had a processing speed of 32 seconds. It's kind of crazy, huh? Yeah, it seems like a long time, but, you know, that's amazing that that teacher found that out. Yeah, um, I think I remember that in the student's non-compliance went from like 260 non-compliance tally marks in a day to 31 or something like that mm -hmm. just by giving the student time to process yeah. yeah so making sure we're giving them enough time to process the request we're asking them to do we also want to make sure that we are using the communication that the student is going to understand mm -hmm. this can be verbal we can give verbal directions we can provide visuals for the student we can also your students can read where there's a power of the post-it. Yes. You can write down the direction on the post-it, set it by their desk, and then the student can read that and hopefully will comply with what we're asking them to do. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, always make the direction a statement, never a question, which you touched on a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So you want to make it a statement and expect compliance. So if I tell a student... I want you to work on this problem. I would present a direction, walk away, because when I walk away, I'm setting up that expectation that I know you're going to do it. Where if I stood over the student and was like, you need to do this problem, and then I was just standing by their desk, I'm setting the expectation that I don't think the student is going to follow through with what I'm asking them to do. So make it a statement. Yeah. And expect compliance. I think that's one thing that staff in schools really struggle with a little bit is that except, uh, expecting compliance component, right? Mm -hmm. Like I worked with a principal who had a student who would throw big tantrums in the hallway. And she said to me, Lori, I just need him to come to the office and then I know I can help deescalate him. And I said, so how do you do that? And she said, well, I stand over him, tell him to take my hand, come with me. I kind of, she described nagging him. And so I said to her, next time, I want you to say, follow me to the office, turn around and walk, don't look back. She's like, I don't think that'll work. He'll just have a tantrum. She did it, called me, and she said, I can't believe it actually works. By expecting that compliance, the student got up. I mean, it took him a few seconds, but she's headed to the office. He's headed to the office. This way, we also respect their individual choice, right? Mm -hmm. You give me a direction, I can make that choice to follow. But if you stand over me... You're not really giving me the choice to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple different strategy staff can try there to get more compliance for students. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that respect piece is really huge. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I feel like people aren't paying attention to when it comes to students. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to add to that is the idea of politeness. It seems like adults don't feel polite if they say something like, can you help me with this? Can you put the puzzle away? Well, that's just giving students a choice to say no. So it's okay to say, please put the puzzle away. You're still polite. You're still kind. It all works out. If you say, can you, you've offered a no. Yeah, so. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, good idea. Well, we want to thank you guys for turning into our first episode of Bait Debate. We're also so excited to have this opportunity to share behavior strategies. We hope the information presented was meaningful to you all today, and we also have lots of exciting topics we'll be covering throughout the school year to keep you reeled in. If you have educator friends who might benefit from this as well, feel free to share this with them too. Catch you next time.